we're actually going to get into a conversation that highlights some pretty bad and scary news for uh, anti-LGBTQ protests being on the rise in Canada which I think is shocking. It's 2023. We seem to be so much more accepting and open-minded about so many different types of, of groups and minorities. So why is something like this increasing? We're going to get into it right now with Canada's Research Chair for the Public Understanding of Sexual and Gender Minority Youth at McEwen University. Dr. Christ- Christopher Wells is joining me. Dr. Wells, thank you so much for making the time. Always good to talk to you. Thanks, Chelsea. I thought I was uh, maybe being drawn into the multiverse there. <laughs> I know. <laughs> soon. Very, very, very soon. But not today, Dr. Wells. Not not at least until we have this important conversation, which I honestly found shocking. I, I mean, we're talking about a huge uptick in anti-LGBTQ2 protests around the country. Can you speak to what data we have to suggest that we are actually seeing a rise before we get into why? Yeah, I think it's it's disturbing and, and shocking for many, but unfortunately not that surprising. We've seen over the past um, three or four years, uh, hate crimes continue to rise in Canada and, and even here specifically in Edmonton. And one of the, the three most targeted groups for hate crimes in this country, unfortunately, is the 2S LGBT plus uh, community. And so, you know, the, the, the protests that we're seeing in Edmonton and Calgary, all across Canada and the United States are really part, uh, unfortunately, of a larger global movement. Um, we can trace this right back to Russia and those many people remember and even around 2014 when the Sochi Games were there, we started to see, you know, the Russian government pass anti-LGBTQ or what they called you know, uh, gay propaganda laws, mm-hmm. making it a crime to talk about LGBTQ issues or show any kinds of affirmative symbols or signs. Um, and what we see in these kind of uh, populist uh, governments like Russia, uh, Brazil and other places in the world is uh, unfortunately uh, 2S LGBTQ um, communities are used as scapegoats and, and targets. So um, I think what we're seeing in Canada is also a direct correlation to the backlash we're seeing across the United States uh, now where, you know, um, post Donald uh, Trump, um, where a far right base has been uh, reignited, um, targeting state legislatures to pass um, don't say gay legislation and in particular um, legislation targeting very vulnerable transgender youth, preventing them from participating in sports, accessing washrooms, and, you know, most um, shockingly, preventing them from accessing gender-affirmative health care, which we know um, saves lives. You mentioned the term scapegoat, and I want to expand on that a little bit because I think that it's I think it's really important that I mean, maybe with all of the of the frustration, you know, you talk about the, the you know, the, the reigniting of the right. I think there's anger felt all across the board. Do you think that when it comes to this specific minority group? 2SLGBTQ, that they become a scapegoat for just so much overall anger. It's easy to then just let your anger and your frustration just fall onto them, even if it's not necessarily based in anything that you might really feel? Or is that, yeah, is that, too, is that too, of a, too much of a rosy outlook? Uh, it, no, it's definitely part of, uh, of the picture, and we're seeing history repeat itself. So, you know, when we, when we look back, and, and even here in Edmonton, you know, 40, 40, 50 years ago, um, you know, a time when we didn't have uh, 
laws uh, on the books uh, protecting LGBTQ people um, were often targeted as uh, scapegoats and the same kind of stereotypes heard back then that, you know, all gay men are are pedophiles or the slogan used to be that since you can't um, reproduce, you must uh, uh, recruit. Um, and now we're seeing that in the form of the language of, of anyone who supports the 2S LGBT community being called a groomer, which is making that uh, connection that um, you know they're, they're putting children in danger or they're exploiting children. And I think that's, again, why we're seeing these specific um, protests targeting the, the rainbow or the drag queen story times in particular, because mm-hmm. they, yeah. involve chil- they involve children. And there's this, this, this belief that still, unfortunately, that... Somehow being LGBTQ is a disease or a contagion or, right. or you know, put put more simply, right? It, you know, if you talk about being gay, you're going to catch it like it's it's a virus. Right. And so, you know, this notion that we have to protect these vulnerable children as though, you know, LGBTQ children have never existed. Right. And that it's only you become an adult LGBTQ adult. But the reality is these children know themselves at earlier and earlier ages. You know, I know proud out gay and trans uh, 10 year olds who, um, you know, assert their identity and and they want to find support and community. They want to read books and literature that reflects their own identities. And they're looking for those kind of role models, a space and a place where they can belong. Yeah, or at the very least to see a role model of someone who has accepted themselves. And even if those children do grow up in a in a as heterosexual or heteronormative, you know, I'm putting air quotes around that because I don't know that there's really any definition of what normal really is anymore. You know, at the very least, they see someone who has accepted themselves and, and lives their life in a truthful and an honest way, which I think can be nothing but a great example rather than wrapping these kids in a blanket of ignorance. It's just, this must just be so frustrating because it feels like this step back into such an antiquated mindset. Well, absolutely. And, um, you know, these these protests are growing in increasing uh, intensity. They're also connected with other um, extremist far-right movements. So we see uh, a lot of the same people who are part of, you know, the Proud Boys and the the trucker convoy protests. So much of this is also connected to the sense of white nationalism um, because, again, LGBTQ people, because they cannot you know, reproduce and perpetuate, you know, the future uh, of the white race um, are seen as race traitors. And um, so so we sort of, sort of see a complex combination of, um, you know, of white nationalism, patriarchy, sexism, homophobia and transphobia all wrapped into these protests. You know, there's there's a strong value alignment here. And you know, the bottom line really is quite simple. If, if you don't like um, you know, Rainbow Storytime, don't go. But why are you trying to shut down a really important, inclusive venue that has significance in the lives of other people in your community? And how do you I mean, how do you chip away at that? Because, you know, there there will even be people listening to this conversation that feel that feel offensive and feel angry when they hear this because they staunchly believe that they're that they're right in their beliefs that these events shouldn't happen. These people shouldn't feel how they feel and shouldn't love who they love. How do you 
How do you try to change those minds, or or can you? I want you to answer that question in just a second, Chris. I'm sorry to do this to you, but we're out of time right now. So we're gonna be, we're, I'm gonna put you on hold for about three minutes, and we'll come right back to it. Chelsea on Ched continues right after this. Welcome back to the show. It's Chelsea on Ched. We're talking to Dr. Christopher Wells, Canada's research chair for the public understanding of sexual and gender minority youth at McEwen University. There's been an increase in two SLGBTQ excuse me, anti-2SLGBTQ protests throughout Canada. Why is that? Why is this group continually being attacked? We're getting into it right now uh, with Dr. Wells. And uh, Dr. Wells, as we went to break, I was asking you, how do you sort of chip away at some of these mindsets that seem to be rooted in so many um, fundamental ideas, I think sometimes based in religion, just in personal identity? How do you, how do you change minds or do you? Yeah, I think this is um, a couple of important ways. First, you know, we have to look at what's being taught in schools. Um, right now in Alberta, there is no direct mandated inclusion to even learn about 2SLGBT communities and identities. And we know that hate is a learned value. And one of the best ways to counteract hate is through education. It's through humanization. It's through getting to know those people and identities that are different than your own, right? Seeing that common humanity that we're all people. And we often learn, you know, to fear what we don't know and we attack what we fear. So um, the question is, why are so many people afraid of diversity and feel that, you know, it's something that needs to be eradicated or, or targeted? But um, so, I, you know, I think education is a big piece starting early in schools. I think uh, also we need our allies to step forward. And um, I'm heartened by the fact that when these protests do happen, you know, the uh, supporters of the, you know, drag queen story time, uh, you know, outnumber the protesters often, you know, 10 to 1. Um, in terms of the support, but we also need our political leaders to, to to stand up and loudly denounce and say that hate has no place here in uh, our communities, because when they're not doing that, right, it, it's sending out those kind of subtle or covert messages that maybe maybe this is okay, maybe there is an audience here mm. for it. You know, there's there's people that are texting in as we're having this conversation, Dr. Wells, and someone saying it was a good example of what you just said, that people are afraid of diversity. The drag queen story time has nothing to do with that. It's all about them wanting to control what their children are exposed to until they're old enough to be exposed to it. And it seems like that piece is getting a lot of attention right now from, from listeners as we're discussing this. Someone saying, I understand why people are upset about drag queen story time. I, I'm not upset about it, but I understand why people are. There are just certain things that you don't expose children to in a lot of people's lives. Uh, there's another um, message here from James who says, I'm bi, I'm part of the LGBT community, but I don't support drag queens talking to my kids' schools. Ask your caller to explain that perspective as well, please. Can, can you speak to that? Yeah, I think, again, we're dealing with a lot of stereotypes there because, you know, I don't really know anybody who's ever went to a drag queen story time that has found anything inoffensive offensive or uh, not appropriate for you know, children. This is not the same performances that are happening in bars or nightclubs. This is akin to, you know, you're, if you have your kids watching Disney and princesses and, uh, you know, people dressed up in, in costumes and, and sort of sharing, you know, important values and beliefs, it's, it's no different, right? There's no nefarious agenda here. And, and quite frankly, you know, again, nobody's forcing parents or children to go to these kind of events. They're all optional 
uh, people choose to participate. So why are other people trying to tell people what they can go to and can't go to? You know, some people don't like going to a Sunday school and and they're not protesting there because their children are being exposed to, you know, things that they don't uh, agree to. So, you know, I think we really need to unpack those comments a lot more and say, well, really, what are you? objecting what are you afraid of why do you see a drag queen as such a threat Mm -hmm. yeah and could it be based in in just a lack of knowing what's being presented i mean i think there's a certainly a big difference between a drag show and drag drag queen story time and so maybe it's associating one with the other and 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 assuming that there's going to be something going on that's going to be I don't know a little bit more in your face or or scandalous than what really happens at a at a story time at really any story time whether it's a drag queen or not. You know, absolutely. These are family friendly, fun uh, you know events, and they provide an important opportunity for particularly transgender, non-binary young people to see possibility for their own identities and their their own uh, expressions. And, you know, we just recently held a a rainbow story time at uh, McEwen University, and it was great to see staff and faculty bring their young children uh, there and to see, you know, the university students all lined up to get in and watch, uh, you know, watch the performance and read children's books. That's what they do. They're reading children's fairy tales and and stories. Um, So, you know, I really question, you know, what what's there to be afraid of of a of a storybook but at the same time these kind of books these inclusive lgbtq picture books are some of the most banned books in north america that again people want to prevent young people from having access to this information you know in their schools uh, i think it really speaks to you know how we understand children and how we understand the 2s lgbtq community there's still uh, a lot of stereotypes and misinformation out there yeah, and a lot of work still to be done. Um, I'll leave you with this. Cody on our text line says, uh, watching Mrs. Doubtfire as a child didn't screw me up. I'm having a hard time believing that a drag queen reading books to kids will either. So, uh, Dr. Wells, we'll, we'll leave it at that. Thank you so much for making the time and for shining a little bit of light on this. Really appreciate it. Always a pleasure. Anytime. Of course. Take care.